thank you for coming and joining us uh, another episode of Bits and Bytes. Um, as you've noticed, we've actually added video conferencing to our episode this time. Uh, so today we have our guest Effie here um, to talk about a wide range of topics with us today. Um, if you'd like to introduce yourself, Effie. Um, <laughs> of course. Hi, everybody. I am so grateful um, to be here. So thank you so much um, for having me. My name is Effie Furci. I am a motivational coach. I'm an author, speaker, workshop facilitator, scientist, and also the founder of Fearless and Empowered. And well, I'm sure we'll dive into my business in, in a deeper context, but um, just a summary of what I do is I empower and I teach women how to become self-motivated, how they can also become confident and help them change the narrative of their life, especially the negative ones, by helping them eliminate limiting beliefs so they can soar and thrive in all areas of life, whether it be personal, professional, whatever that looks like to them. So that's what I do. And that's my passion. Awesome. Thank you so much, Effie, for your introduction. Well, normally, as you would know, Bits and Bites was started where we would bring out some crazy, interesting <laughs> cuisines for our guests to try out. But unfortunately, due to COVID lockdowns, we can physically not do that. It's um, okay. <laughs> we would have more time in the future to enjoy each other's gourmets and cuisines. Yeah, and then maybe some uh, sadistic games as well. <laughs> yes. So Effie, how about, what are some strange things that you've tried? You know, all around the world, there's lots of dishes out there. What was the strangest thing that you've ever tried? Um, honestly, frog legs. Frog legs are the strangest. And because I told a friend of mine, and I was like, I tried it. And I can't even remember where. And I'm not sure if I had it in Belgium or I had it in Paris. But it's very, I don't know who, where you're in, uh, originated from, but... The French, they love the escargot, which is snails and frog legs. And then I, I swear that's where I had it for the first time, one of the two places. It but, seems like a European thing, right? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and, um, they always have all these eccentric things. And I'm like, you know what? You go, you go, you go, girl. Um, and I tried it and I thought it was going to be awful because looking at it for the first time, I was like, I don't really like any of these things because you you can only just picture the frog and I'm like oh god so I'm thinking okay this has got to be awful but then Lily was like so common she was like so persuasive she was like oh not in a rude way but more like oh be adventurous and she said just try it and I was like okay so I took a bite and she was like it tastes like chicken I didn't believe her because I was like a frog is a frog like you're trying to convince that it's going to taste like a chicken and then I did and it really does take like tastes like chicken and they made it perfectly because they have like this um taste of cilantro and this taste of um like balsamic oil and um oh what was the other one as well there was ginger in there and there was basil and i love all those like those compliments that was on it so i was like you know what i'll give it to them it's not my favorite dish absolutely not you know not by mom but i was surprised I was surprised at myself for trying it. And I was surprised the fact that it did taste like chicken. And I actually like, I went through with it. So that's one. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I would say the weirdest thing I've tried was uh, there's these, uh, it's called sundae. It's a Korean dish. Mm -hmm. And um, depending on the region of Korea, some people normally they have like synthetic tasting. So it's kind of like a blood sausage in a way. But there's actually a restaurant um, local to North Vancouver that they're really known for having the real intestines. 
stuff oh. with the pork and like blood and like herbs and spices it is amazing they put mm. this in a hot soup super spice it's like you can choose the spice level but mm-hmm. i was gonna say that was oh, i love everything i love everything spice <laughs> i love everything spice so the harder the better for me so that sounds delicious <laughs> i feel super like like proud of myself right now because for, for those of you guys that like know me a little bit like i am not an adventurous eater and and like my my palate is is small or small-minded to be very specific um but i have tried both those things you've suggested so so like i feel like like i'm i'm cultured all of a sudden what an adventure but, but like like the frog legs thing to me you're totally correct in that that i feel like it does definitely does have that chicken vibe to it i think it wasn't as weird to me because like i'm chinese (laughs) so i grew up with dim sum so like the whole chicken feet thing which i understand oh yeah Um, i never did actually like ask that question to be honest i never knew thank you yeah yeah like i understood that that was like strange but like i guess because i grew (laughs) up with it it wasn't it wasn't strange to me right like it was just like how you know some people eat drumsticks some people eat thighs Uh chicken feet (laughs) <laughs> but like it is, it is quite strange when i you know objectively look at it mm-hmm. um i'd say of the two sunday is weirder because mm. i i don't know something about the intestine thing and, it, and the thing is if you look at it it looks harmless it looks like just like sausage mm-hmm. with and i think some i don't know of what's the authentic kind i think there's debates about this so gene maybe you can help <laughs> me out because like like one side is like it has like noodles served within like like it's mm. built into the sausage or something mm-hmm. so there's some glass noodles or something like that in it but mm-hmm. to me that just makes the texture even weirder when you bite in <laughs> um but i don't but some people also don't have it so i don't know which one is the authentic one mm-hmm. um but they're both weird to me oh yeah, wow I, I think the so the the one that's more common is the purple synthetic casing one so it has like this very dark purple color to it and that's the one that you see more commonly around the one with the actual intestine i think only a few specialty restaurants um carry it like mm. i've heard from like you know uh locals and like my friends um that there's even rumors that koreans come flying from south korea to <laughs> to come to no. the restaurant or even just like locally like they'll come from like you know, low heat or Coquitlam all the way to North Van, like drive over like 45 minutes to have it. Yeah. Wow. We're allowed to give shout outs, right? That's determination. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about, you're talking about South Castle, right? Yeah. South Castle. (laughs) Wow. We're we're allowed to say brand names. We have have no filters. So for those of you that, you know, for some reason have been sold completely by Gene, it's South Castle Restaurant, South Castle something. South Castle on East 2nd Street, intersecting with uh, Lonsdale. Wow. We promise you this is not a paid plug. (laughs) Wow. I mean, while we're on the topic of food, actually, um, you Hmm. mentioned that you were actually a professional chef as well, right? Oh my gosh, yes. That takes me back years. Um, I was about 18, 19 years old, and we were still living in Belgium at the time. So I the whole thing started because my my mom wasn't able to actually like afford the English school that I wanted to go to because in Belgium they had English universities like American universities and uh, some British um, uh, college, should I say. 
Um, and um, at that point, we were just in a very hard time. My mom had just had my sister. So the world was moving in such a fast pace. And I felt like there was so much that I wanted to do because as a child, I knew I wanted to become a gynecologist before I even learned how to, to, to spell it. I knew I wanted to do something in STEM. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how far I was going to go with it, but I just knew that that was going to be very expensive. Nonetheless, I felt like I had a plan. I wanted to be, I was finished uh, in high school by the age of 13. I was like, by the time I'm 25, I will be married with kids and, you know, all these things. But at that age, watching everything just sort of actually like crumble and fall apart. And the only option that I had was to basically kind of save myself and not pull that responsibility on my mom. Whether or not I was still young, it didn't really matter because I already knew that my path was a very difficult one as a child. So I wasn't trying to compare myself anymore with everybody else and what I felt like life was going to bring me. At this point, it was just more find an opportunity to save and go to school. And that was like, the, that was the goal. So when my mom was walking down the street one day, she noticed this, um, this, uh, this office or building and they had a flyer at the window saying that they were taking um, students for the NEST program. Mm -hmm. And they would pay each student um, to actually serve what they make um, during lunch hour to the people who were working in that same building. So they would come down to the cafeteria and have our meal that we've prepared all day with the main chef. So I thought, okay, she came home and she saw this and she told me everything and I was like very intrigued. My mom was a pastry chef and she made cakes for weddings, for birthdays and occasions. So I always love like licking the icing. I was always obsessed oh, yeah. with that part. Um, just not much of the baking part, but when it comes to cooking, I actually realized that I really did love it more so than baking. So I was like, well, they're almost the same thing, but I just love the food part and the decoration and how grand it always looks. So she said, why not just try it? Mm -hmm. So I said, yes, we went to the, the, the place together. We did the interview. They asked me why I wanted to become a chef. And I said, because I think it's fun. <laughs> Usually my answer, because in all honesty, that's exactly why I thought I was like, oh, it's gotta be fun. And then I, of course elaborated and said, it would be a great way to also save and potentially get a job through it and save even more and go off to, to medical school or whatever um, I wanted to do at that point. So that's why that journey started. And this was in Belgium and I worked with them. I, I studied. So every afternoon we would serve and I would get my year. I was able to go off and do my college diploma with that same money that I saved um, a couple of years after I graduated. And I um, had my, um, higher educational diploma in nursing and major free. So I started off with that. And in the end, I even secured an internship um, at one of the top prestigious um, hotel at the heart of Brussels. So for me, it was literally like having everything. Again, that was, again, changing my narrative, right? It was changing the, the card that I was dealt with, the negative, and I was trying to figure out how to turn it into a positive so um, I could actually save myself and I can do something that I would be proud of. So that internship definitely kind of showed me a different side of the world in the industry uh, anyways. And I just thought, oh, this is a great way. I made new contacts. I learned so much about myself. And I even sort of actually like topped my own um, ambitious level. Like I, I, I aimed higher. Um, working there and being in contact with um, uh, the princess of like Egypt, for example, come in and, you know, talking about the chef that he had at the time and his 
and he's cooking and he's baker and he's pet the street. I thought he was amazing as a, as a, as a young woman and as a black woman, I thought he was, you know, I was at the hype of my game and I was enjoying the experience. I was learning so much and I was in a great company and, um, I, you know, I had people who were supportive. So I think having that, I literally just remember one day wishing and saying, when my internship is done and I get my certification as a chef, I'm taking all that money and I'm applying for a school somewhere um, in the world, something good where I can study and I can be welcome. And I'm going to come back to this hotel and stay in this hotel um, because I can't afford it. So I thought if you work hard, you get the school done, you get your, your certification. If you want to write it all the way to PhD, you go right ahead, girl, because you can do it. But then come back here and spend a couple of those, you know, dollars or pounds or euros or whatever you, you know, you've actually made and um, treat yourself to, um, to the hard work that got you to where you are in life. And Few years later, my husband was able to do that, and he surprised me, and he booked um, the, the the hotel. So wow. that's you know longer much story, but which is so good. But yeah, the whole chef story kind of actually, or the chef experience, sort of actually like opened uh, a huge door and a yeah. huge opportunity for me to create my own table in a way where I wasn't offered, um, I wasn't welcomed to a lot of tables because just didn't fit in and people didn't um, people weren't ready to support us financially or support us you know mentally so I had to figure it out and rather than doing something that I knew would compromise who I wanted to become I chose a different path and not everybody would agree but it is my long and windy road and I'm happy about it because he got me to where exactly I was always meant to be yeah. <laughs> and I mean, speaking of that too, like I know there's uh, right now you're juggling a lot of projects and titles like motivational speaking, author, um, and you're also working at. <laughs> like, like, so you would say, like, you know, <laughs> I guess it's an eye opener. <laughs> becoming a chef kind of came that, like, you know, beginning, like, uh, step that you needed on that journey. So like, how did that eventually build into um, starting Fearless and Empowered? Because I know it started back in 2012. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, I think everything kind of come back. And you would, you would get to understand this about my life. Like every story that I have shared have been preparing me for this life. I always knew that I wanted to work in the science industry, yes. But I also knew that I wanted to work for myself. The goal as a child when I was 10 was to buy my own hospital with all my best friends and we would run the hospital. And I don't think I've actually ever shared that actually, to be honest. And we would run the hospital side by side and we would help millions and millions of people. And that was the goal. And I would be able to travel around the world because I love traveling and I'll be able to help people medically and be able to help people by actually giving motivational thought, uh, talks because I used to work at my uh, church at the youth, you know, just talking to younger children who were from broken homes and who have similar um, traumatic experience like I did and just encouraging them through it. So I thought, oh, having a hospital speaking awesome you know you're 10 years old and you have all this idea and you build it up but of course owning a hospital was not initially the the, the dream as i grew up and um but 2012 i was just um i was in school i had just moved to oxford and i loved the, the city it was beautiful and my first year of undergrad and i was so shy because I was in my 20s, my mid-20s, and there was a classroom. My first class was chemistry of cells. And I remember just sitting there feeling as if I was the dumbest human being 
on the planet because there were students who were who've already just finished their sixth form or their SATs and you know their GCSE and UKS they would call them fresh out of uh, of uh, pre pre college courses and here whereas I haven't even touched a, a notebook scientifically touched anything for years, almost 10 years, right? So for me, I was so scared. I was intimidated. I, everything scared me. But nonetheless, I felt like I had to get out of that shell. And I was so traumatized. I was like, if I'm going to carry on like this, then I won't graduate and I won't have anything positive to talk about my experience at school. So I decided, rather than feeling sorry for myself, why didn't I just actually put up a flyer in the library and find out if someone is going to be willing to study and be my study partner? So the idea was just to put it up, invite people, come along. Um, I'm new. I'm just actually like, I just want to make some friends and make sure that we can all motivate each other and encourage each other to, if you're mature, especially if you're a mature student and you're feeling this sort of way, I just left a couple of bullet points. And to my surprise, people came. I thought it was going to be empty. So I showed up looking or trying not to not to be look nervous. <laughs> and um, yes, one person walked in, another person walked in and, you know, 15 people walked in and then it was about 20, 25 people. Wow. And it was insane. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. And out of that, pe- out of that whole entire people that showed up, I would say at this point, I still, I'm still best friend with about six or seven of those people. And, um, and yeah, it just sort of actually like sporadically sort of, birth from that experience. So I felt like if I could do something so small to encourage and empower myself to not feel dumb or to not feel like I wasn't enough or I wasn't smart enough, like everybody's supposed to be when you're even living in the city of Oxford, um, then, and people showed up to hear what I had to say, then of course, let me see what else I can do to also empower other people and tell them about my journey and how I, you know, how I survived um, this first few months of being a, a mature student. So I started hosting workshop on the app Meetup, and I would host workshop for public speaking and helping people with the confidence issue because the more I helped people, I realized I was, my confidence level was elevating. I was different. I was more upbeat and I felt like I took on challenge very easily and I wanted to find a solution, but it wasn't scaring me. So I felt like I was having a new understanding of what fear looked like and I was trying to make it my friend without even realizing that that was what I was doing my entire whole life. So I did that. People came and they were really interested. They would basically meet up and say, hey, we want to we wanna talk to you. We want to book you for our workshop. And literally, that's where it started from. And, um, and it's been going on since then, you know. And in the end, in 2017, I registered that in the UK. And um, I just went, you know what? I'm going awful in and making this something that I am going to do for the rest of my life. Even when I retire, it's still going to be something that I enjoy doing because it's a way of life. It's just another, it's, it literally brings me so much happiness that I just can't see myself not going ahead and, and, and helping other women and helping other people connect. And I mean, just not to dive in too deeply, but I know along your travels, you must have met a lot of, I guess, I guess what we label as introverts, people like, <laughs> like yourself who, who are shy, who aren't, are I wouldn't use the word afraid, but like hesitant mm-hmm. to speak out. Um, yeah. And that happens so often in startup founders, because I think we have, you know, branded entrepreneurship and startups as like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or, or you know, fill in your blank, you know, yeah. voice, super suave. I 
I just laughed at Bill Gates being suave, but, <laughs> but, but I think you kind of get what my drift is. is they know how to carry themselves around rooms. So, yes. so, but for the, the millions of other founders out there who are just kind of trying to carve and, and make a difference, like, <laughs> what do you say to the people like that who, who are hesitant to even, even something like public speaking makes them super nervous? Absolutely. I, you know, I've come across so many different people. And I am so grateful for each and every one of them because they've all taught me something as well about myself, you know? And for the introverts, I have also noticed that they might be introvert on the outside, but when they are in a group of people that they are honestly comfortable with and they have come to know, they've come to trust, there's a different side to them. And that's the side that the rest of the world may or may not get to see. But that side from my own friends that I know that are introvert and having spent years together is warm, is playful, is chatty when you want to be chatty. And it's, uh, again, someone that you could actually just have a, a dinner with at your home and they would sit there and you'll be quiet and they would read a book, you would read a book, but you're still in each other's presence and you're aware of that. And I've just noticed that it's just who they are. But they only kind of actually bring out the bubbly self, the, extra, the extrovert side of them when they are within company that they truly trust and enjoy. It's not as if it's not there. It's in each of us. We all have that part that is an introvert and that part that's also an extrovert. It's just which one is the most, uh, the most dominant? That's the question, right? And for me, I definitely know my extrovert one is the very most dominant because I love talking to strangers. I love talking to everybody. I love being the first minute to start the conversation but at the same time, it wasn't always like that in my teenage years, you know, but coming into like my late teens, that was when I was more like, oh, I'm loving this new Effie. And again, going back to the chef school days kind of actually brought that out of me because I got um, to trust the people I was working with and understood that they also were coming from difficult households. They wouldn't want to share about that. They needed help, but they wouldn't want to, they don't know where to go for the help or how to even talk or even ask for help. And knowing that we have that relationship and I had some of the information, it was about me just turning the, the lens around and saying, hey, so this is what I can bring to the table. And, uh, but yeah, so my advice would be, if you're an extrovert and you want to befriend an introvert, is be patient with them. Be patient with them because they take time, just like yourself. You take time when you actually want to meet people and you want to build your relationship and friendship. It's the same thing for them. Be patient, be kind, and be understanding. And best of all, we have to do this regardless of whether they're introverts or extrovert, is get into that um, new habit, that new way of thinking and saying, how can I support you? So that way you know exactly what kind of friendship that they want, what kind of support that they, that they require from you and what sort of support they also want from you as, a, as an individual. And it just makes things easier because then you can think to yourself and say, okay, based on what they've shared, this is what I should offer them rather than assuming that you know that person. So again, it's having that conversation and you can't have actually just started off that way in a very compassionate way, in a friendly way, and in a welcoming manner and say, how can I support you? What do you like? And then start from there because you build that rapport and you build that friendship intentionally and organically. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. And also for the introvert, don't be too shy to open up either. Um, welcome new people. And you can still be cautious and trade lightly, 
but don't be too closed off that you actually like lose out on um, good on good things and good opportunities. So take a risk, healthy risk once in a while, just to let people in and show them what amazing things that you're also capable of. Um, I just wanted to kind of also expand on that, like, you know, uh, not just focusing on um, actually introversion, like bringing those people out of their shells. Like I know Fearless and Empowered focuses on empowering women, especially. Yes. Um, So I know like what we're, I just wanted to, I'm just curious because, you know, um, there is like a current situation where uh, there is an imbalance of, um, you know, genders, especially in the workplace, professionals and such. Mm-hmm. But where are some of, you know, common, uh, I guess, struggles or like topics that were brought up when you have these workshops with these women, especially when it comes to the professional workplace? Yeah, I think there is a workshop that I'm planning to do when someone reached out to me and it's about finding your voice and knowing how to use it. And the concept around it is going to be using your voice. And it could be from looking at an angle at your home, how you allow people to talk to you, even your children, your spouse, your friends, your roommates, whoever. But looking at how to kind of use your voice to actually say the things that you want so people can hear you, but you're not using your loud voice, but you're using your actual serious voice that demands respect, that demands um, the right amount of attention. And... In the past, I've realized that this is one thing where a lot of people do struggle with because they don't know how to ask for their worth. I was one of them. I didn't know how to ask for my worth when it comes to a paycheck because I thought, as a Black woman, you're not allowed. You take what you're given. And again, that's an insult because if I look at my white friends at the time, they were very much open to have this conversation and say, hey, I have a PhD, I have a master's, I have a bachelor's degree, and I think I deserve um, this amount of money. Can we go, literally, it's almost like a bargain sometimes. Can we go the price? Um, Whereas for me, I see that and I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to be rude. Let me stay in my lane, whatever that meant. So there's a lot of women, both black and white, of course, that actually do have not the part of actually like looking at it from saying, oh, I'm not, um, I don't deserve it only. But again, they don't know how capable, how smart they are. They feel it, but they haven't really, really accepted it. And when they haven't really accepted it, what comes across to me from those workshops is that they forget how to ask or they actually don't know how to kind of ask those questions, like how they get paid. Um, Also making sure that they get promoted for the right job because they are more capable than the person that they just employed recently and then have to train to get that job that they've been working their bots off, excuse my French. So there's all this mixed feelings that comes from that. Always feeling like they were overlooked, especially women. So there's a lot of things that come from all the women that I've actually spoken to over the years, but the common, the common things are definitely finding their voice, knowing how to ask for their worth and struggling with imposter syndrome, struggling with confidence, and also, you know, just speaking up sometimes, which kind of goes back to what you actually said earlier, Sam, about having uh, that fear of public speaking, because it could be in a presentation and they are still they were still worried to speak up because they feel like they might say the wrong thing. So there's so many things that can, that, that literally goes into, into so many, you know, into women's mind that goes through our mind as a human being period. Um, but those are like some of the key things that I've actually noticed. Imposter syndrome, lack of confidence, lack of, you know, uh, low self-esteem, a lot of self-doubts, the, uh, the, the, 
the 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 need to self-sabotage and again that whole big annoying negative buckets of limiting beliefs that they just have and it's been planted in their mindset that they are trying to be rid of but they just can't and I love the fact that I can help people get there. I'm not the only person because there are millions of people that can do that. And if you find that person, please go and get that help. But that's one of the big things that I feel like a lot of women struggle with, our limiting beliefs. And then we self-sabotage ourselves because we are afraid that if we ask, we might not get what we deserve. Or if we ask, we might be rejected. And that's worse um, than actually trying at all. I just want to also kind of touch base on, you know, how, what others can do. So for example, like the tech industry, video games, especially, there's always mm. an issue of sexism in the workplace. Absolutely. And, you know, like uh, the times are changing, obviously these kind of issues are being brought up more and often and women are finding their voice, but mm-hmm. what can, you know, management, peers, coworkers, what can they do to help empower these women to find their voice? Great question. They can do a lot. They can listen. Again, they can use that same phrase. How can I support you? So that way they're hearing them and they're hearing them good as in like with their needs, their wants, their aspiration, um, what they actually want to achieve from their own careers. They can ask and they can also support them when they're working in a project. For example, if you're working with a male and you have another female in the group, try to sort of actually ask them for the opinion, not just overlook them or see them as a girl, or as a woman. If they, they don't have uh, an input, a, you know, a thought provoking insight to offer, they do. We have lots of them, but nobody ever asks. And especially when you see that they are not always so easy to come up with, you know, to just say, uh, offer the answer all the time, should I say, then be that person as a male figure. Be that person to them and actually ask them for the opinions. And if you see there's a promotion going and you know that your friend or your female colleague is, um, you know, very, very capable or more than capable for that role, again, recommend them, put their name forward and put them up in a, in a beautiful platter. So the people in the company, the managing directors or the employee, the hiring people can see what you see in that colleague of yours and say, oh, come on down. And outside of work, if you are in a networking event and you're in a social environment and you see someone who just told you that they've just created this app and something triggered in your mind and say, oh, that's something I've never thought of before. I wonder, let me go and dig deeper. And you get into this conversation with this woman, right? And you ask them about this app and you learn something. And then two weeks or a day or one month or one year, somebody mentions something in your office and say, we're looking for someone with the skills. And again, that thought comes to mind because you had that conversation with that one person that while ago. Why not check up with them? You know, try to see if you still have their contact because if you love the conversation, I'm sure you'll be engaging on LinkedIn or wherever. Because we're that deep, you know, we're in that digital age where we connect with people very quickly when we like them on LinkedIn. So reach out to them and find that, hey, this opportunity just come up. I'm not sure if you're currently working. If you're not, would you be interested? Or if you know someone, definitely recommend them. And if you see, a, you know, you again, if you know of a, a women agency that has lots of women with this expertise, because there's a lot of women who are passionate about STEM. They're genius in technology, like creating things, developing things, and being a change maker. But nobody ever gets to 
um, push them or put them in that limelight to say, hey, these are these amazing women that I know. So they usually are just where they are. So it's so easy to actually forget um, a lot of women who are smart, who are talented and already changing the games in the industry because people think they don't have an online presence or whatever, right? But if you're in that position as a, as a, as a male figure and a man, you have got to stand up for that for that woman. You have got to speak up, and that's not to say you can't do the same for your, you know, for another man who also has that same knowledge. But it's just to say, a lot of women, this is this this is the 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 reality. We have always suffered, and we've always come last, and we've always been underappreciated, and very much undervalued, and never seen, and always feeling like you know, like we're not heard. So, as a male figure, what you can do is support. Recommend a woman that you know in your community, in your world, that can do the job that you know they're looking for someone in. Support them through mentorship if you can, so that way you can give them the knowledge that they also need to carry on thriving and succeed in a leadership role and not just walk beneath you all the time. We want to see more women in leadership. I've been saying this because I want to see more Black women in leadership, in STEM leadership, in career leadership, in leadership, period, and not just always in the bottom, because there's a lot of people that were like me, walking in the kitchen with talents and education and knowledge, but nobody gave me that opportunity because, again, they're waiting for you to have experience. But how would you get the experience if nobody gives you the opportunity? You see what I mean? So it's this puzzle that we have to help each other put together. So as a male figure, support wherever you can by just asking the women, how can I support you? It may not be now, it may not be tomorrow, but you may come in handy one day and you never know where. But that's that's the kind of that the kind of mindset we should all have when we have that power to use it to empower other people. Amazing. <laughs> that was really um, that was really well said. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, um, let's uh, kind of go back to maybe, um, you know, uh, some of the other things I've been working on as well. Then. Sure. Yeah, um, I know, uh, well, I guess let's start with a question real quick. So, mm-hmm. you know, we juggle all these projects and titles, as we've mentioned before. So, <laughs> you know, on a lighter note, how do you manage your time? Like, how, what does your day-to-day schedule look like? My day-to-day schedule, honestly, with, you know, with COVID, is it's shifted so much and it shifts every single day. But what I've actually learned to do is this, try to do everything that is important. Even if you can't get through all of them, try to do at least a couple, especially the essentials. There's gotta be essentials. You can't say everything is important, right? And you have to complete it by 12 noon. There's gotta be a leeway where you can actually like rest and, and, and have your own playtime, your downtime or rest time, right? So my day usually would start around 6.30 because I'm working right now Eastern time and that's my choice so I can have support from um, my uh, my clients and I can give them the support that they need as well from me. And this is on the aspect of the center. So I would work seven to three. So after three o'clock, then I have that business hat that I put on. So fearless and empowered FE is now in the seat. And that's not to say that I'm not in the seat throughout the whole work answering, you know, um, text messages or um, making sure I'm checking my emails on my phone. My phone at that point is essential, but at the same time, there's an hour for it. And that's usually my lunch hour. So that way I am not um, taking advantage 
of my own career. And I'm not doing myself a disservice by not actually paying attention when I should be paying attention. So I manage my time that way by actually focusing on this venture and then focusing on my business when I'm off the clock. And I have a team of people, which is usually my husband, <laughs> who is very supportive and uh, kind of make sure that my app and everything is all set to actually like, you know, release and do all the things as they are supposed to. So, but on my lunch break, I check through things while I'm actually like stretching my leg in the patio and just making sure that I haven't overlooked an email and I'm responding back to people because my customer service is something I take very, very seriously. My word is is priceless and I don't like to break it because I follow through with actions. So after hours, three o'clock, I take a little break. I make something for dinner so that way I can enjoy it with my husband when he finishes out on five and then we sit together at six when we can and we enjoy a nice meal. And if I have a call after that, they usually would go up to about 8 or 8.30, nothing beyond that. So that way I can, again, spend time with him and make sure that we are connecting. And uh, my love tank is full, his love tank is full, and we've had a, a conversation about our day and what we um, what we achieved, our wins and our lows and, you know, what frustrated us, even though we walk side by side. It's still nice to kind of have that that moment of, uh, of connection and just talk and uh look at each other's in the eye rather than talking to someone, you know, behind your head. So that's how I manage it. And because my time is going to look different from your time. So I make sure that whatever my feelings are on that day, whatever my mindset, whatever I am drawn to, and I feel like I want to do, I am making sure that those things are also being considered and they are nourished and, um, yeah, and I don't overdo too much and I don't over exhaust myself because I don't want to burn out. I want to give my best, be my best for the people who are hiring me um, for whatever service that I offer and also the people I'm working with in representing as well on behalf of the center. So this I all take very seriously. So I manage it that way. And on the weekends, usually if I don't have a, uh, so a workshop on Saturday, then I'm outside enjoying or doing a road trip somewhere to continue living my best life because that's what it's all about. It's all about living your best life purposefully. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, like for me, like I sometimes struggle with just like, you know, finding that like work-life balance, like oh, yeah. balance especially like I'll have these on and off days, stress. right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's on and off days. And I think it's just you have to figure out, you have to figure out honestly what works best for you because every day is going to be different. You're, my, you're going to wake up different. So that's that's for sure. You, the way you slept the night before, you might end up waking up and then see one email and it might just completely like shake up your entire whole day. Or your mood might be next <laughs> after you finish one exercise. Who knows? But whatever works for you, try to maintain that. And if it brings you peace and it brings you joy and it brings you balance, then yeah, you have to kind of actually just make sure that you are keeping to that same healthy routine. But if it causes you stress and chaos, then maybe there's something on your plate that you've been doing for too long or something that's been stressing you out because you haven't been doing enough that you have to take away or just maybe pay more attention to. So it's entirely up to you how you kind of see um, both sides of the coin, I guess. I mean, Sam knows, like, <laughs> when you said the part about the email ruin your day, <laughs> we know all about that. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the exactly. things we talk about is is just, like, it's it's so easy to feel like you every every day needs to be a home run. I think we talk a lot about efficiency. We talk a lot about productivity. And yeah. especially, I think, in, in our industry, we, we're, we're obsessed with, with this well-oiled machine. 
Um, but at the end of the day, like, I think one of the things that I've learned in, in working with launch the last couple of years is, is we're going to have great days and we're going to have bad days and mm-hmm. everybody has them. Right. Yeah. And I think being true, having the self-awareness and the honesty be like, you know what, today was a bad day That's it. and we're going to, you know, we're going to wipe it off, call it a day and tomorrow's going to be better. And having, and not letting that drag on into become a bad week. I think, I think that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned at launch because like some, especially now, I think, I think in, in COVID situations, like I think oh. people need to give themselves more slack. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no pun intended to, to, to the slack group. <laughs> um, but, but just in general, right? Like, because we're all handling things differently, I think it's too easy, especially like if you live with a spouse or partner, like, like, Oh, so-and-so beside me is doing so well. Like, how come <laughs> I'm, how come I'm struggling or, mm-hmm. or looking at your coworkers and going mm-hmm. like, you know, no, she jeans executing on a hundred times faster than she was in person. Like, why am I 80 times mm-hmm. behind when I was, what I was like this, all this kind of comparison game. Like, yeah. I feel like that's, that's been like a really important discussion that, that I think we're trying to have, even with startups in our programs and things like that is just, everybody's handling it differently. And I think the, the only thing we can kind of safely assume is that it's not the same as, as before, like whatever mm-hmm. we were used to, we have to get used to something else now. Yeah, absolutely. Because I keep using this phrase, we are now in a new world. And this new world is going to look very differently for a lot of people who have spent time making sure that it is exactly as they want it to be. Whereas for other people, it might just be the same thing as in the old world because they don't want anything to change. Regardless, whatever that looks like for all individuals, our world has changed. What we once knew, we are now having to reevaluate to make sure that um, if God forbid, this situation should represent itself. What is the strategy? What are the, the, the precautions, the, the, the safety nets that we're going to have to, to support us, right? Mentally, because a lot of people who've never worked from home before, for example, have to learn how to work from home. And there's a lot of those people as well who enjoy interacting with their, their colleagues, seeing people face-to-face. And a lot of people, of course, not staring off topic, who are enjoying that to go into an environment where they see people because home is traumatic and that was the escape. So there's all this this aspect, right? So this new world is one where I feel we're gonna have to show a lot of compassion to a lot of people. Like you said, if if you know you wanna take a break, then take a break. Every day is not gonna be a perfect day. I don't ever try to tell people that it is a beautiful rainbow and sunshine being a businesswoman and a business owner, if there's someone who's doing that, I celebrate that. But for me and my, and my journey and my story, that's not the case. Some days are glorious and they could ride like that for months, for a year, but some days could just completely fall apart. And I could be bawling my eyes and asking myself if I'm doing the right thing, right? And making enough time for myself and my people that I care for in my community. So there's all these things. But at the same time, it goes back again to what I said. You have to have compassion, not just for the people, but you have to have it for yourself. What are the advice that you would give to your best friend or someone you love or someone you 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 want to show kindness to and, and help them through that, that difficult moment? Then, yeah, show them that kindness. Talk to yourself that way, too, because you matter. And it's also that kind of mindset where if you want to take a break, then take a break 
And don't be so hard on yourself when you do, because you need to be your best to be able to serve people. You need to be your best to be able to give your best in the world. And it's okay not to have everything figured out. Don't compare your progress with other people, because when you do that, I feel like that is the one of the most, again, limiting beliefs that literally do make people feel trapped and make them feel like they're not enough and they're not doing enough. So try to change that mindset. If you see it happening, take a break. Take a self-compassionate break. Um, like I like I said, I, I one of my workshop, and it's just 15 minutes where you just write down your thoughts and your feelings. Why am I feeling this way? Where is it coming from? Um, what does it hurt in my part of my body? This thoughts in my mind, is in my back, is in my head, wherever. Put it down, and just sort of actually like remind yourself that I'm not alone. There's so many people in this world that are feeling the same way as I'm feeling. So I'm not alone and I'm going to keep trying my best to do what I can, you know, and just be compassionate because we need that sometimes. We need to hear it ourselves. Like we need to say those words to ourselves and not wait for someone to validate them. So let's do better. Let's do better at being so kind to who we are as humans because our bodies needs that. Our mindset needs that because we just can't exhaust, like you said before, Sam, about the, the oil engine of this world. We just can't exhaust it and then run dry because what's going to happen is going to perhaps be that we don't even recognize the person we've become and there's nothing left to give, right? And we're given from a place of empty. And that's not going to serve anybody, especially when you know that you've still got so much to, to offer this world. So if we do it right, and we take time out for ourselves, like everybody's been saying the self-care Sunday, and you put yourself as a priority on your top to-do list sometimes, once in a while, it really does help, I find. It really does help. And um, it helps with your mindsets as well and your confidence level when you take time to really evaluate and digest your own feelings and what's going on in your world and just sort of process all of that and make sense of it so you can actually function well in the world. It really does help with your confidence. So yeah, I absolutely recommend it. Spending time to get to know ourselves because we are ever-changing human, as a human race, we're ever-changing. So it's best to know yourself so someone doesn't again, you know, fill that space out for you. Um, and, you know, talking on the subject of like, you know, getting to know yourself more, um, being an author, uh, Faith Over Fear, and then I know you also write a lot of blog posts as well. Do you mm -hmm. think that, you know, do you recommend to other people like uh, writing as kind of like an outlet to like learn more about yourself or do you recommend more, you know, for others to read? I recommend both. I recommend both. If you've got a writing streak, go right ahead and write. I recommend journaling. And I used to journal so much, so much growing up because I had so much that I wanted to actually like take out of me, right? I didn't want to bottle it up in my head. Because I used to use the word, I have a file in system or a filing cabinet in my brain. When there was something traumatic, I would usually just file them away to be determined or to be um, discussed later or whatever. So eventually I realized that I was completely pushing them and suppressing them way, way, way down into, my, into that cabinet because I wasn't going back and reevaluating what that feeling felt like or what that emotion taught me or what it brought me or what it changed. I was just ignoring it and forget, trying to forget it by pushing it down to the bottom and adding new things, both positive and negative, on top of each other in that filing cabinet. And eventually it didn't serve me because I eventually like, you know, um, imploded um, in front of my mom and I was just like in tears because I've carried on so much responsibility and so much weight since I was a child. So 
I don't recommend anybody to ever get to that point because it's like hearing a wall as an actual brick wall and you could see it in front of you, but you can't stop yourself from being pushed towards that wall. And then you hit it so smack and you feel that you can feel every single bone in your body breaking and you can't do anything about it, but just wait and let it just ride out, right? So that's what it felt like to me. And I don't want that for anybody. So I recommend writing. Writing is a good outlet. Journal as much as you can. You don't have to do it every day because I know it's a chore, but put it next to your bed or put it next to your office, the way you go regularly so you can see it. And if you read, then read and get it, you know, get to escape into someone else's adventure. It could be a science fiction, a drama, a romance, whatever it may be, or a documentary. But I've noticed for my entire childhood in loving books so much is it takes me away from my problems sometimes because at that moment, your mind, your body doesn't need you to be in a solution mode. It just needs you to be in a relaxed state so it can bring you new ideas. And that way, that new idea can help you fix the problem that you've been having or you didn't even know you were having. But if you're not calm and you're not in your own flow state and you're not able to achieve that, it could be difficult to find where there could be cracks. So reading can take you out from a situation for a while and just make things better because you're in someone else's world and you're enjoying it and you're engrossed in it. So I recommend both, whatever is your choice, whatever is, you know, brings you much, uh, much joy and, and, and happiness, select, but don't say you won't do anything when you're going through a challenge. It could be music, people dancing off. I do that quite a lot. I have my 30 minutes on the weekends where I just listen to a beautiful classical music by Ludovico. He's one of my most favorite Italian pianists. I would listen to that and I would just chill. When I'm sitting down and laying down and counting the stars that I'm supposedly seeing on my ceiling, I don't care. But it's just 30 minutes of me being Effie, being a, uh, my own woman, not a wife, not a daughter, not a sister, but just being myself. So that way, again, going back to giving the world your best self. So you need it. So whatever that may look like, writing, I recommend it. And reading, also recommend it. Because guess what? Both of them are equally as good. You learn something about yourself and you also unleash something about yourself, or should I say unravel something about yourself. And on the other hand, if you're reading a book, you find out someone else's journey that also triggers a strength that you actually didn't know you had and something else that you want to even dive deeper about that story that brought it out, you know, that brought something positive or negative that you want to address, whatever it may be, right? So both are equally good, but it's our decision. We have to be able to make those decisions. And that's sometimes the key. You can't force people to do something that they're not ready for. As a coach, as a motivational coach, I've realized this, that I cannot motivate someone who is not ready to be motivated. You have to want to welcome the change or you want that your life to look different. You want something more for yourself. Otherwise, it just won't happen. I can tell you everything great, give you the best feedback, the best TED Talk, whatever. But if you're not ready for that change, it doesn't happen. That's the common thing. Awesome. Um, touching on blogs as well, uh, you know, I remember reading one of uh, your posts and mm -hmm. it was really, really powerful, <laughs> uh, especially with um, the protests, Black Lives BLM movement going on, especially down in the States. 
Um, even with like the rise, I mean, personally too, like, you know, with COVID, there's a rise in racism as well against like Asian minorities as well. Like, I think racism is very alive and well. Um, and oh, yes. one of the strong quotes that you mentioned was, you know, it's okay not to know what to do. What is not okay is to have a voice and not use it. Use it, absolutely. That's true, because I think the BLM movement happening, a lot of people are saying, why now? Well, for me, I'm thinking, why not? Why not now? The question also is, why did we have to wait till now to actually want to make a change? We have all been living in this world um, for my lifetime. I've been here for 33 years. And after those 33 years, when I was a baby, I can't remember half of it. But the parts that I can't remember probably started when I was about four. And from that four years old, I've definitely understood that there are white people, black people, different people that look you know, differently than me. My mom was a teacher. We have seen the world. We have been taught to understand and show compassion and treat everybody equally. Because my grandmother and herself and people that I've, you know, that I know in my circle have been treated differently because of the skin color, their hair, the way they speak, their accent, whatever. But nonetheless, BLM is here. What can we do to support that? What can we do to make the change that has been long overdue? Just imagine for a second, you've been fighting for 400 plus years, the same battle, repeating yourself constantly to the same people, sometimes different people, because, you know, we all were humans, you know, some live, some die. But you've been doing that for almost over 400 years. Eventually you'll get exhausted. I'm exhausted from talking about it. And that's why I always tell people and say, hey, just think about it for a moment. Because if you're tired hearing it, then how do you think I feel talking about it? So it goes back into what I said earlier. There's no wrong thing to, um, there's, there's no saying you can't do anything. You, 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 everybody can. You can do something. We can all do something. Again, it's that choice. What, what, which one are you going to choose? Do you have a voice? Then please use it. Do you have a platform? then please stand on it and amplify other people who don't have that platform and do it intentionally, not because you think you're going to get more likes, more followers on Instagram, more business attractions, or more high fives for doing those sort of supportive things. But no, do it because you actually genuinely care and you want to know those people. Because as a Black woman, it frustrates me to see when people reach out that you have been waiting for for months to, to work with and they've even rejected you straight at your own face. And all of a sudden, now is the perfect time because they think, oh, it's a black girl. Let me get one in my corner and let me try to reach out to Effie. It's like, I see you. I read, I'm, I'm grateful that you want to try, but you're doing it the whole wrong way. Do it because you are intentional. Do it because you genuinely want to be friend with me. You don't have to be friend with me as the only black person. You can go and find other black people that you connect better with. But do it because you really genuinely want them. And again, racism has always been, it's always been here. You know, it's always been here in a different form of way. Unconscious bias has been here. Systematic racism has been here. Microaggression has been here for years before all of us was born, right? But now this is our time and the world looks different. We are more empowered. The Gen Z, the Gen X, the millennial, everybody now sees. Technology can take a message that I tell you and take it to someone in Dubai or in the village of, of Africa. Communication, you know? So there's all this world that's been open. Our eyes are now seeing things that before we couldn't see because there was no digital, uh, you know, footprints. And now we have that. 
So when you do something, it's online. So now we're hearing about it. It's been amplified. So that's my, that's my thing. Now the question is, how can we then work together to do to make this change lasting? Because I honestly don't want to be doing this when I have children. I don't want them to be doing this when they have children and their children to be again protesting as a black children to be standing in the streets crying the same cries that I, their mother, have cried for years. So how can we change that? By communicating with one another, by listening, by being intentional with friendship that we are forming, by being compassionate, again, asking one another, how can I support you? And asking people in the Black community and in your Asian community, how can I support you? Because like you mentioned, yes, it's true, a lot of people were very mean, including the President, President Trump, saying the Asian people, the Chinese people, were the one that brought the Chinese um, the coronavirus, that brought the disease. Again, with statements like that, it's very racist and very rude, right? But that's my opinion. I'm sure a lot of people would disagree. But again, it's just changing our mindset, that changing our unconscious bias and how we think about someone. When we see them or we hear about their names or we see their, their hair and we're not, or again, we see their name. Let's use that as an example on the paper and we're thinking, oh, they, might, they must be black. Let me know hire them. We don't need that here. But when you apply with a white person's name, then you're given the job. It's all weird. Or you're called for an interview. Let's change that. Let's change the little things. We can't do everything all at once. But we can start somewhere and we can start here by asking people and asking individuals, how can I support you? How can I learn better? Doing your homework as well, because the same information I will find on Google, you yourself can also find on Google. So doing those homework, then coming to me and saying, oh my God, I had this, I just read this piece and it literally troubled me and this is why, 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 why. Can we dive into a deeper discussion and just put things to contest? I'll be, I'll be happy to have that conversation, right? But again, not making it a Black person's job to make you feel better or validate your choices, because that part is also there, and it's also that exploitation. I've been asked to come and speak in an event as a, as a motivational speaker and asked to buy my own plane tickets to come and speak at a platform, whereas you've actually offered a white person that same opportunity, but you've given them a hotel, a flight, and all expenses paid. But for me, it's as if you're telling me that I'm welcome, but I need to pay you for bringing me into your platform. I've been asked to do jobs that I've never been paid for because they just assume it's free. But do you know how much years I actually put into my own study to make sure that I have this, this information and I get it right and I do it well and the presentation to then come and deliver it? Those take time. They have worth. I have worth. So what you're telling me is that I don't and you, won't, you don't see me as valuable and you don't see my service as valuable because you want to take for free. It's the same thing. I don't want to come and work with you at lunch and not pay you for your services and all the hard work that you have been doing. So it's about putting ourselves in other people's shoes mm -hmm. and just thinking from their own perspective and seeing the world through someone else's eyes who is trying to explain a situation that's traumatic to them and trying to see how you yourself would feel in their shoes, you know, hypothetically, and see how you feel from that. And just kind of then figure out a way that comes to you and say, from what I've learned now, Oh, I must do something. And again, it's like, if you have that voice and you have a seat at the table, then please use it. Because if you can't, then I'm begging you to please just step out so somebody else who is capable and willing and intentional can step up to the plate and help. And just, I mean, being cognizant of our own platform, I think we've touched on two, two pretty, honestly, pretty heavy issues here. I think one, one is deals with deals with sexism in the workplace. And I mean, mm -hmm. we, we've had not perhaps not on this podcast, but in our previous podcast, we've talked about women in tech and, and 
the different issues, both good and bad, um, mm-hmm. that that are ongoing there. And I think the other thing is is very much to do do with race. But I think specifically targeting our industry, our our community, even what what can technology what role can technology and the people in technology play specifically talking about what you just mentioned mm-hmm. well they can definitely play a part especially when it comes to sharing the right information right there's so much information right now and we need to be again cognizant when we have that power to be able to filter what we release out into the world I, as a coach, don't go into the Instagram and just blast somebody because I feel hurt. One, I don't think he would make me feel any better. Two, it wouldn't actually fix the problem. What it would do is get people to hate that person that I actually am complaining about. And number two, I would actually end up also being hated. And three, I would not like the person I've become. So there's ways that we can tackle a problem. But we first have to figure out how we want to respond to that problem. How does it make us feel? What would we want if they were apologizing or if they actually saw what they've done? How would they feel? Do they feel remorse? So you got to think about all these things. But in the technology industry, let's try to actually like filter the negative out and put out the good things that we know would help people. I'm not saying, you know, take away all the, the, the truth, even if they're negative. But yeah, but the way we phrase them, the way we use them, the way we actually engage them, the people we even show, making sure that they're not going to the hands of innocent children that are going to take it and then run wild with it or go scared and hide under their bed for, for years to come, right? Or have that seed planted that makes them so afraid or look at the world differently and destroy their own innocence. Technology connects us. And we've seen that. It's been connecting us since the start of COVID. And it's been connecting us for years since the first computer was first launched, right? But at the same time, it has a negative and a positive side. And if you have too much of something, it is always not that good, right? So the same thing for technology. We have to be able to ask people, ask good people, have some sort of accountability for each other to say, hey, call someone out when you know that they are releasing something that isn't good in the world. And if you have a technology that will help a small business, perfect. Tell them how to use it. So they can engage with their audience, they can actually grow their sales, their, 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 their customer base, their email list, whatever, or their business as a, in general. If you have a technology that would help an education or a school in Africa to actually like help children who doesn't have book and don't have uh, uh, internet or laptop and you're in that place to do so, then please do so. Because again, those children are not to blame. They're innocent in all of this, right? So using our technology, that we do have or using any technology that we have or any access that we have to good things that we know can empower other people, we can be good people and hold that back. We can be good people and only use it to benefit and advance us. We have to be able to use it to advance other people too. That's the whole point of living in a world like this. That's the whole reason of why we are in this humanity because it's a huge community. You don't have to necessarily be friends and know everybody, but the people that you do know, you should also want to actually see them thrive as well and be intentional when you say that and not just say, oh, I'm good at technology, I'm good at building apps, computers or whatever, but not share that. So do so, do share that, do share that access that you have as well because you never know who, whose life you'll be changing. So technology definitely can, can help us and it's definitely changing the game right now and will continue to change the game for years to come. So how can we all do better? We can do better by actually using our resources to help someone else who has less, enabling them to actually have the right information, enabling them for their business, enabling them for their computer, 
doing you know their business, whatever way we can use technology to do, let's try to use it for good rather than using it for the bad things. That's my that's my one big advice. That's that's definitely a message that needs to get across because especially nowadays, like um, personally, like I had a side gig working within the internet and like the spot, like social media and stuff. And um, mm-hmm. you realize like at some point, like it just becomes very toxic, especially nowadays yes. with all of the, you know, issues going on, even just on a lower level too. Like um, maybe because everyone's locked in that hole, there's a lot more aggressors coming out. There's a lot more frustrations coming out. There's mm-hmm. a lot more um, hate coming out because of it. Yes. And understand, you know, this isn't, uh, good. It's not healthy. Sometimes we just need to take a break to take a step back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what you said right there. It's taking a step back. It's so important to get unplugged, right? Because nowadays with our technology, we're literally all plugged into the world. We want to watch the latest news. We want to see the latest, uh, well, you know, app. We want to see what the other person is doing on Instagram. We have to, we have to, we have to. But have we actually really taken time to actually check on our mental state and just unplug from that life? Unplug from technology. Go and play outside in the park. Put your leg in the in the sand, in the ocean, or in a lake, or somewhere, and just reconnect to the earth. You know, to the ground, and reconnect with people. And I'm not saying you know because now we I know there's a lot of people who can see families and see friends and have to still connect virtually. Then make that even experience itself something beautiful. By turning your house wherever you can into like a, a resort or into an image or a picture that you the, a place of a place that you want to be in, but unplug, because we're seeing all this negative, we're seeing all this talks about racism, and we're watching all these things, and they're changing our head, they're changing our mindset, they're changing our emotions, they're changing what we feel, where we talk to one another, where we see one another and interact with each other. So it's important to kind of separate that once in a while, just to say, you know what, today or for this two weeks, no Instagram, no LinkedIn, no Twitter, no Facebook, no Snapchat, no TikTok. I don't know how much there are, but you know what I mean? And just read a book, talk to a friend, if you can see them in your front house, but just, or even talk to them virtually, but be purposefully there and just be present. And as soon as the conversation ends, Laptop closed, phone closed, and go back and sit down, watch a TV show, watch a movie, binge, eat popcorn. I don't know. Do something (laughs) fabulous, right? But don't be so plugged in and literally like on your phone 24-7. It's exhausting because your mind needs a break to process the information that we receive on a daily basis. Can you imagine how many things your eyes go through every day? the emails, the words that you see in your screen, all these things. So we need time to unplug as well from technology because we need time for self-care and a mental recharge. Otherwise, we're just, we're just running and running and running and eventually we could burn out and that's not good for anybody and I don't recommend it for anybody. So let's be conscious and say we want to use technology for good but also make sure that we as an individual are taking responsibility of our own health. So we're not putting at a risk to um, help other people because we wouldn't be helping them because they would eventually feel bad that they've caused that to you. You know what I mean? So let's be conscious of taking time out for ourselves and just making sure that we unplug from the techno, the digital world. 
Yeah, but our phones, are, our phones are definitely going to get bigger. Trust me. <laughs> I think one of the conscious things both Gene and I have done, and, and I mean, in, in our industry, it, it is really important to, to, I'd say, stay on top of things just in general. Like we do work with cutting edge entrepreneurs. Like these are very smart people who, who need to know, not, I don't want to say news, but we need to know what's out there, right? Yeah. Um, but, but one of the big things I did, and I know Gene did for a while as well, um, is, is we deleted Twitter off our phones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a, a huge mental relief, I'd say for, for me personally, yeah. um, it's not that <laughs> it's not, it's not that I, uh, don't use Twitter. Like we, we definitely still engage with, with our companies and, in, 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 in the industry and things like that or whatever. Um, and, but we just keep that to, to the computer. Um, and that honestly has, has kind of freed up so much mental clutter, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much, um, noise within oh, yeah. within twitter sphere with well all of them really um all of it but but <laughs> like that that has been like a huge shift because it's really weird because you'd think that since we are physically disconnected that i'd want to feel more connected through like that was the the kind of original intentions of, of social oh, yes. networks right is yes connect a disconnected world but what has happened is like, I've never been more motivated to turn off those things, <laughs> which, which is, which is kind of ironic, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know what Jean's thoughts are on that. Well, I, I definitely agree. I've even noticed like for myself, um, taking the break from like Twitter, I'm still going, but it's just, I stop being so, uh, so for me, like I tend to find myself getting very involved with whatever mm-hmm. I focus on. And for me, um, so I used to stream a lot of video games online and the community mm-hmm. online can be very, uh, very difficult at times. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of, um, I guess, um, things that were coming up, uh, you know, mental health, uh, suicides, um, a lot of cyberbullying. There is a lot of sexual assault accusations coming out as well during this time. And obviously it's a lot to handle, especially Mm. when all you see is like, you know, people that you thought were peers, people that you thought were your friends and stuff, bringing up all these like stories and it gets very overwhelming. And I think for me, like, I know, like, you know, Sam came in and was like, you know what, you just need to, I think you just need to, let's do this uh, promise, like get off Twitter because um, I know for me it was taking a huge mental toll um, mm. and since I took that break like I feel like I'm reconnecting again with you know my friends um, with my family and like I'm starting to realize like my life doesn't revolve in that sphere anymore like the Twitter sphere like I have way more going on beyond that but at that time when I got so like intoxicated and so involved with it like all I could see was just like what was going on in that specific like um, yeah environment and it's yeah not healthy at all so definitely taking a break is yeah and it's like it's one thing that you said just now about seeing your life without all those things it's almost like the blog that i post um recently about post-covid cleanup it's asking ourselves the real honest questions like since the start of the pandemic, what have I noticed that I have been able to live without and have actually enjoyed living without it? You know, it's that, it's that question. And have we even noticed that there are some things that we haven't really done that we were so obsessed about? And what are your friendships that you thought were so important and you would die if they didn't text you and nobody texted you and hold up, 
you're still alive and fabulous. <laughs> and what are the things that you, even clothes in your closets that you haven't worn? And you literally was like, you know what? I haven't even worn makeup or worn shorts for three months, four months going. And I will probably win the award by the end of the year. And I'm actually okay donating that to some people who actually need it. So it's asking those questions in this era because COVID for a fact has, I'm sure a lot of people would say different things about it. But for me, despite of the losses that my family has had, because we've lost three members of our own close family, I have seen this year and this whole situation as a blessing in disguise because I have endured pain. I have endured deep suffering and I have endured a deep loss and all of which I am still trying to figure out my emotion through it all. But at the same time, I am learning so much about myself. I'm learning about so much about this experience as a whole and my connection with people and understanding what is valuable and what isn't and what I should be paying so much attention and feeding into and things that I should not be giving so much power. So you see what I mean? We need to have, again, goes back to finding that time to spend time with ourselves to really ask this question, what have I learned in the era of COVID? So by the time it's gone, you're just not returning back to your old self, but you're returning back to your new and improved self. And if it was better before, Trust me, it can also be up a notch, right? There's no such thing as I've learned enough. So it's just having that post-COVID claim. Honestly, I recommend it for anybody. And again, it could just be as simple as your diet. What food have you realized that you haven't really eaten before? Did you take up cooking more and you realized that you were putting more attention into what was going into your body? Again, that's your health benefit. For me, we're having to postpone our ceremonial wedding. That was supposed to be a big time in our life. In September, we've been holding off this whole thing since the move. And now that has to go to 2021. Am I dying? No. Do we still love each other? Yes. Can we still carry on learning and improving each other? Yes. Can I then plan for a more bigger, extravagant wedding next year? Yes, I can then <laughs> save. So it's literally about finding the silver lining in this whole mess, in this whole chaos, in this global pandemic, because we are all facing the same thing as COVID. Like we're experiencing the hardship that's coming from it. And so many people are losing things left and right. But why can't we also celebrate the good that is coming from this situation as well? When somebody say, oh, I've just had a big change, the first thing that comes to our mind is something negative, isn't it? And we're like, oh, she must have lost a job. But you never think and be like, oh, she got a promotion. She bought a new house. Oh, she bought a new Tesla. We go into the negative part. But why not think about it and say, oh, it must be something good. So let's think about it in this way. What is COVID and this self-distancing, social distancing or whatever, teaching us about ourselves that we want to carry on improving on, nourishing and and, and showcasing to the rest of the world and used to continue to make the world a better place. So let's all have a post-COVID claim. Or we can even start it right now, a pre-COVID claim. So by the time it ends, we can all be like completely professionals and spring cleaning at that point, right? That's <laughs> exactly. That's it. We can start, we can all start it together. So that way we can, you know, pass it forward. My wife's going to be glad to hear that. <laughs> um, so yeah clean out what doesn't serve your purpose anymore and what doesn't add value to your life so that way you can be a lot freer and you can be a lot more focused and a lot more you know um, self-driven and determined to to achieve everything you've always wanted to do because 
if you realize that you were, you're still on that journey and you've been doing or not using any of the things that you thought really was helping you at all. So now it's your chance to kind of say goodbye and let it go. For sure. And I mean, speaking of goodbyes, we, we've had an awesome time here, but I, I'm also, I'm also wary of us entering into, into, you know, your, your bonding time and, and all the things we talked about. We, we went through your whole day to day and I know, we're talking <laughs> there. but just, I mean, just to kind of, kind of close things off. And I think we could all be here for hours. Um, so we want to thank you very much, but like, for thank people you. that are listening to this and maybe they haven't met you and they want to meet you and they want to, to discuss whatever we've, we've covered such a large, <laughs> yes. um, but how, how can people reach out to you? You can reach out to me on Instagram, right? Instagram is everybody's hub. I'm a newbie. I'm a learner. I'm a baby boomer on Instagram, but I'm navigating somehow. You can find me at fearless and empowered on Instagram. Uh, my podcast also has its own platform at the long and windy road pod and my website as well as a great way to kind of find out more about my personal one-to-one coaching um helping people find their goals and again just more bespoke to their needs and that is www.fearlessandempowered.com and you can find out about my workshop there find out how to book me for your speaking engagement or if you need a workshop like i said facilitated online or eventually we'll open up everything on there and you can even find my clothing line um, which is a motivational clothing line called Speak Life, Spread Joy collection, uh, Clothing Collection. And it's about um, showcasing words that I've used to empower myself in my darkest moments in life and making sure other people have a little bit of uh, fabulousness and light in their own closet. So you can find all of that as well at, uh, on my website. I actually have one of your sweaters, but it's sweltering here, so I can't, <laughs> I can't do it right now. I'm sorry. Wait until it is a good sweater, isn't it? It's got like such, it's got such furry um, softness inside of that. Don't worry, it, it keeps fl- me warm to say the least. <laughs> I was wearing mine very much, but my husband was like, "Okay, I think you should change into your t-shirts now." So, but yeah, but definitely wait until the fall, and then you can rock it and be sure to tag me as well on Instagram when you do. And I'm so grateful to your wife for actually getting that for you. I thought it was a very lovely gift, and. Uh, yeah, she's an amazing woman as well. So, awesome free plug. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I must say, thank you for having me and thank you for this conversation. Literally, the time just flew by straight away. I didn't even see it going. But conversations like this, where we can be intentional and honest and just be ourselves, are truly things that I welcome because we need to be this way so other people can see that it is okay to share and grow and. Uh, and this is how we all become better, right? By educating and always learning from one another. So thank you for giving me this platform and this opportunity to share um, and have this conversation with you guys. Thank you so much, Effie. Like I, everything that you said, all your words of advice and encouragement, like they all really hit home. And thank you for also sharing, you know, topics and answers and thoughts like ranging from everything you know I, we definitely did cover quite a lot i like i feel like we need like a part two here or something like i, I know there's like a lot more we can talk about but i know we're limited by time now so it's um, all good when the bites <laughs> when the bites are back in the table we'll come back for yes exactly. <laughs> so i can be fed as i talk <laughs> awesome so thank you thank all you right. very much no problem at all um <laughs> thank you everyone uh, for listening or watching our latest episode of Bits and Bites with Effie. Uh, We hope to see you all on our next episode.
Thank you, everyone. Awesome.